Welcome in to Two Foreign Drafts. Austin Gale here, the host of Two Foreign Drafts, a rookies and draft prospects podcast. Today, we're going to go over my two-round 2021 NFL mock draft. Should be a treat. Mike Renner going to make fun of me for all my picks here. And then we're going to do our linebacker class overview in the 2021 NFL draft. And then interviews with Peyton Turner of Houston. And then offensive tackle, Alabama offensive tackle, Alex Leatherwood. Before we go... Make sure you leave a review in Apple Podcasts to get a draft guide. I'm giving a draft guide away to 50% of the DMs I get on Twitter with a screenshot of your review on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review, send me a screenshot on Twitter, and you could get a draft guide. Please do that. Without further ado, let's get it. Salts are cracked. Some people don't think we actually take the salts. You can see them. Hold it up. Yeah, oh, hold it. you can see it's the like red. A, hold it up. It's a cash. You if go. you're watching on YouTube, this cash is a cracked salt. Bag, I got mine too. I'm These are medical grade. They don't want to be fucking with us. They don't even, honestly, they don't even hit me like they used to. I, they never do. You're growing a tolerance. I might have to start crushing them up in my in my uh, coffee water bottle and shaking them up and then Eating taking them. a hit. I like that, honestly. I think that's great. I have a story to start for us. Yes. This is uh This one's one. fantastic. People love actually. people love my dating life. And this isn't necessarily a date, but I mean I was a dating game. I'm trying to work on myself. You know, I'm trying to be a better person. You've lost forty pounds this year. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube. I'm dropping weight. He has dog. been shedding. I'm He's out been here shedding. Grinding. First team all Probably shed. Probably. I'm out here shedding. But working on myself, however, that doesn't mean I haven't gone to a kickback here and there. Went to a kickback. <laughs> um and uh, was hanging out with our buddy Mitch, who shout out to Mitch Kaiser on the podcast, absolute stud. Kickback At, reminds me of the high real bros of Simi Valley. I don't know what the hell they're that debating is. whether it's a kickback or a. Oh yeah, that, that, yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I, I don't know if this was a kickback. I was drinking during the day and um, playing cards, couple couple of chicks, some other people, whatever. I was making some moves, and then here we are. I wasn't trying to make a play. It was like four o'clock, and I had dinner plans. But here we are, still playing the game. We're playing the game that is life. You're. You're you. I'm it's you. Just, you're, I'm you're me. Putting out the vibe. Then next morning, follows me on IG. I was like, okay, <laughs> the flames have been stoked. Yeah. The flames are stoked, friends. Um, you love to see that. Hit That's... her with a hit her with a lead off, something funny, you know, classic. Um, what, we we need to know what it is. Oh, okay, I think it's. Uh, Let's get it on this. So something that people don't know about me is I'm <clears throat> very good at drinking games and specifically card games. I can take the lead on a drinking card game pretty well. I'm probably the best host there is. You're, you're laughing. <laughs> Dude, you, you're you, really I, I can't pumping, miss. I can't dude. miss. My card games can't miss. I, I mean, you're good. I say something like, I'm trying to pull up the IG. I don't want to botch the story here. I said, um, next time you'll have to host the card game. Something like that. It's classic. You yeah. know, shared experience. She said, we said something back. And then I said, what'd you do after? Because we both kind of left early and I went to go to dinner. And then she says, I told my boyfriend I met the best or like the master of card games and the funniest person ever. Guy's down bad. Look at me. I'm just like <laughs> sitting here. I'm like, okay. I hit her back with the same. Ha ha. And uh, she Why says- Why'd you like, even reply at that I mean, point? I, honestly, I'm too nice. But guys down bad, boyfriend, funniest guy ever. Rock on. I'm putting that in my Tinder bio. <laughs> my Your boyfriend's quote, favorite guy. Boy <laughs> Your boyfriend's favorite guy. Um, hit her with the same. Then she said something like, let's start a podcast. I don't fucking know, man. Anyway, guys down bad here. Didn't go well. I, she didn't deserve me. Yeah. Didn't deserve me. Have fun with your boyfriend. Getting okay. Hit with a How funny is your boyfriend if getting I'm the funniest friend zone. guy ever? Get, getting friend zoned and getting like a boy a friend referral is a tough look when you thought you were. You about really to hate be. to see it. You yeah. really hate to see it. But that's me. You know, that's where I'm at right now. All right, let's get into this mock draft. Let's continue to just shit on the decisions I make and go yes. to the two round 2021 NFL mock draft. All right, so this is yours. I'm play. I'll flip the. I'll be the host now. Love it. Can't wait. Go through. Pick by pick. We'll do the first round. It's a two round mock. If you want to see it, go to pff.com. Second feature. Number one, Jacksonville Jaguars. Old hat at this point, Trevor Lawrence. Number two, New York Jets, Zach Wilson. Those seem locked in. Do we do we think that that's locked, locked in? That's at locked this point. In. It's locked the news in coming point, right? out at during BYU's pro day that the Jets are locked into yeah, Zach Wilson. Seems, and then and the trade happening. Then, then the trade happening. I do think that the San Francisco 49ers are at so confident the Jets are taking Zach Wilson. Yeah. It ain't it ain't rocket science to put those leaves together. And I um, think that's the best pick for them. Yeah, I do agree. So San Francisco 49ers, obviously after the trade, you have Justin Fields. I am in agreement here. I just cannot fathom. I actually have an article coming on PFF.com today. 
breaking down the fits of all of them. Fields, Lance, Mac Jones. I'm just going to to give you a tease. Mac Jones, the reason why I think everyone's putting that fit together is because it he did the most things that translate to Kyle Shanahan's offense. Like what he did yeah. is easily projectable. But Fields, isolating when he was doing similar things, crossing routes over the middle of the field, working off play action. Excellent. Absurdly good in those areas. Just didn't do it nearly as often. So, again, he's capable of running that offense with far more tools, far more physical ability than a Mac Jones. So, I digress. Number four, you have the New England Patriots making a play, trading with the Atlanta Falcons, who will never in a million years be willing to trade with Bill Belichick after what they did to Stop. So, but going up against Trey Lance, and I think they will make a move. Is it Trey Lance? Is it Mac Jones? Whoever it's going to be. I do agree that they do up, go up and make a move. And then here we go. Wild card pick. Cincinnati Bengals. Kyle Pitts. Just let's talk about that one for a second. Yeah. I, and so what's interesting about the Kyle Pitts one is I I did not know what I wanted to do here. You know, a lot of me wanted to go Jamar Chase. I talked to Anthony Trash, PFF's Anthony Trash a ton about this. Do I go Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, or Panay Sewell? Mm-hmm. All three, the best prospects at their respective, respective positions in this draft. And what I wanted to think about was which one helps them win more. And I my my final take was Jamar Chase, the difference between him and the two other good receivers in this class, or even Rashad Bateman, you know, the two other like elite receivers in this class, or elite prospects and Waddle mm-hmm. and Smith. And then even to Bateman, the, the, the difference between what Chase brings to the table from even Bateman just didn't have me feeling all that great. And then I look at Panay Sewell, you know, you look at war, wins above replacement according to PFF. The difference between an average offensive tackle and elite offensive tackle does not significantly benefit you as much as the difference between an average tight end and an elite tight end. And I'm confident Kyle Pitts is an elite tight end. You've said it before that he could be better than Darren Waller as a rookie. Like he could be a top three tight end in his position as a rookie. I'm not saying Panay Sewell isn't a dramatic upgrade over Riley Reef. However, I think a dramatic upgrade over Riley Reef does not do you as much in the win column as a dramatic upgrade over Drew Sample. And I think that's what Kyle Pitts is. Whoa, Drew Sample slander will not. Yeah, I'm going to cut that part from the podcast. (laughs) Come on, But I'll add this too. Joe Burrow didn't take Riley Reef out to dinner, wine and dine the motherfucker, not to get his guy at five. You know Joe Burrow's in the conversation. Joe Burrow either wants Chase or Pitts. I I was going to say, would Chase not be his guy? No, I know Chase is his guy. I'm saying I think Joe Burrow wanted Riley Reef more than just to get protection and to heal that knee up. But he also wants it so they don't have to take Panay Sewell at five. And they could go get either a Chase or a Pitts. And I think that's what the Bengals are going to do. Quinn, need your take. Pitts? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I Well, so I call him Kyle Tits because tits are awesome and so is Kyle Pitts. So I call him Kyle Tits. I like it. Um, can we put that on a cool graphic? <laughs> yeah. We can put that on a cool I graphic. Call him Kyle Tits. <laughs> but no, I, I – uh, so I think – in this to not get super long-winded here i think he would actually be a good fit for the Bengals because even if you just put him out wide and gave him the same sort of targets that you tried to give aj green last year which is over the middle and like big play contested catches downfield if you watch kyle kyle tits his highlight tape like that's where he's winning like big contested plays downfield and over the middle i think you could like plug him in there even just as a as a wide receiver and he would Produce like 50, 60 catches in, in that offense. It, he, and tits. he would fit with Burrow. Like Burrow mm-hmm. will give you a chance to make plays, contested catches. And in the and second round, I have the Bengals taking Alex Leatherwood of Alabama. You know, you're still getting an offensive tackle there if you don't if you want someone to start over Riley Reef and Jonah Williams. That's yeah. the thing. Like Alex Leatherwood, when I talked to him on the podcast, I think that interview comes out today. I think is that, is that on today's podcast? No. Yeah, it is. Today's podcast, we're talking to Alex Leatherwood. He, he brings up versatility like NFL teams talk to him a ton about versatility he can play guard he played guard at a high level in the SEC and he can play tackle and I think you can get you it's all about you know what what Sam Cosme told me this that's on a future episode Sam Cosme said one of the biggest things that NFL offensive line coaches say is we need to get our best five on the football field and the only way you're getting your best five is you can guys you got guys who can play multiple Multiple. positions and Cosme said he could do that Mel Kuyper Jr. we haven't talked about this has him ranked as a fucking guard Sam Cosme it's six eight yes He's the number two guard behind Elijah Vera Tucker. Okay. <laughs> when he has, when he has, and I, I remember I came out with a mock draft. Play him at guard. I came out in mock draft. And I said, "Hey, Arizona Cardinals could take Sam Cosme at some point in the draft, and you could kick him inside the guard if you want to get your best five on the football field out of the gate." Because I know they resigned Kelvin Beecham or whatever, <laughs> and people were like literally wanting me me to die on the cross, suggesting that Sam Cosme could ever play guard. Mel Kuyper has him as number two guard. I don't think he would be – he's a better tackle prospect than he is a guard prospect, but you can't tell me he couldn't play guard. He could, You sure. can't say he can't yeah, play guard. But I would not want him there. No, neither I would don't. I. But I'm saying yeah. if you want your best five on the football field, that he's might be Cosme at guard. Okay. 
On to the next five here. Miami Dolphins, after the trade-up, obviously targeting one of the weapons. Jamar Chase here they get from LSU. Detroit Lions, finally Penny Sewell comes off the board to them. Carolina Panthers nab their guy in Mac Jones because they're kind of SOL with trade partners yep. as it stands. Denver Broncos get linebacker Micah Parsons, and then Dallas Cowboys go Patrick Sertan. Do we think Penny Sewell falls to seven? Do we th- do we see a fall? So if if the Bengals don't take Penny Sewell at five, yeah. I do not think the Miami Dolphins will take Penny Sewell at six. And I honestly would like Chase over Sewell for them too. I mean, as they develop that young offensive line, I really like Chase to help Tua with Will Fuller, with Mike Kosicki, with Devontae Parker. Like let's let's go Chase some offense. Let's go get it. Let's go put Alabama, you know, Tua Tungavailoa in a position to succeed. And then at seven, I feel like Detroit Lions, even though they have um, Taylor Decker, put Pinay Sewell over Tyrell Crosby. You know, I think what another former Oregon yeah. offensive tackle put oh, him no. ahead of Crosby um, there. Because if you, if the, if the, and if the Lions, tenure starter, if the Lions though, if the Lions, so that's what I would do. If yeah. I was, if I was the Lions, I would take Pinay Sewell at seven if he's there. But the Lions could easily lock into a guy like Micah Parsons. You know, they lock into Michael Parsons. They want that guy on their defense. Then at eight, I don't think the Panthers do it. Panthers need a quarterback. They're one of the biggest losers of these trades. I mentioned that in the analysis on the mock draft. They're one of the biggest losers because it's likely that they're going to be luck- stuck with the fifth best quarterback in this class in Mac Jones at number eight. However, then I think if the Panthers, so say the Lions pass on Sewell, Panthers pass on Sewell at eight, I think the Broncos are another spot. Yeah. And I know they got yeah, Juwan no James idea. coming back from opt-out, and I know they have already paid Garrett Bowles big money. But you don't know what Juwan James is going to be after an opt-out. He hasn't even been that good even in his career. He's been kind of league average. Yeah. Bringing in Penny Sewell as an upgrade right tackle for the Broncos, I think, could be a play as well. Man, my take of Penny Sewell being the first position player off the board, feeling it seems like it's in hot water. A moment. little bit. I, I mean, I, I do think that the Bengals are in a Could. prime position to do it, Still, yeah. but uh, we'll see. All right. Next five here, we got the Giants getting Devontae Smith from Alabama. God, they were in a nice position to grab it on the wide receiver, and I would do it if I'm them. Philadelphia Eagles going J.C. Horn from South Carolina. Los Angeles Chargers getting Rashawn Slater, Northwestern. Minnesota Vikings going Quiddy Pay from Michigan. And then the Atlanta Falcons going Jalen Waddell from Alabama after that trade down. Do we think wide receiver class, like the the Dolphins traded up because they didn't think they were going to get one. Do we think they like made a mistake that one yes. is going to fall to 12? I mentioned that in the analysis, too. I said, you know, I don't love the decision for the Miami Dolphins to trade up from 12 to 6 after making, you know, getting two first-rounders in the 49ers trade, but we were playing the cards were dealt in the mock draft. Mm-hmm. And I think if they are moving up for receiver, they better get go get their guy, which could be Devontae Smith, especially with the Tua Tungavailoa connection or Jalen Waddell. However, I do think Jamar Chase is the better prospect, so I have them going Chase. And then New York Giants, some people were saying, we just signed Kenny Galladay. What's the point of signing you know, Devo- or tra- uh, drafting Devontae Smith at 11. It's like, okay, Darius Slayton is one guy. And then you have Sterling Shepard, who everyone loves as a slot type since he was fucking drafted out of Oklahoma, but what has he done? You know, I, I, Devontae Smith could have success on the slot or on the outside out of the gate, and I know you're going to be protecting him from press coverage in the NFL at 170 pounds. Even though he had success at Alabama releasing and, and working against press, you're still going to be in, in some ways wanting to protect him, moving him in the slot and outside. And I don't think Darius Slayton should not be keeping you from drafting a Devontae Smith. Sterling Shepard should not be keeping you from drafting Devontae Smith. Kenny Galladay is one thing. Like, you've talked about Kenny Galladay and his prospects of even working into the slot more. Mm-hmm. Like, he goes into the slot. You said that for Baltimore, if he went to Baltimore. So, I don't think – I think all of those guys can be a little bit interchangeable, maybe outside of Shepard. And I think you want to put a talented receiving core together. We've talked about the best teams in the NFL. They all have multiple really talented receivers. At 11, I think Devontae Smith, you sprint the pick in. And for Atlanta – after trading down and gathering what I would have as two, you know a future first-round pick and a second-round pick from the New England Patriots, if not more, maybe Stephon Gilmore thrown in as well, getting Jalen Waddell and that all-Alabama receiving core would take this offense to the next level. You could have Jalen Waddell working the slot, Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones on the outside. And I don't have to tell Falcons fans how often fucking Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones got hurt last year. Having depth at the wide receiver position is good. Just because you have two good receivers doesn't mean you should avoid the position. It's a valuable position where oftentimes you start three. I think Jalen Waddle on the slot would be sick. Jalen Waddle in that offense would be sick. I wholeheartedly agree. All right, on to the next five here. Arizona Cardinals grab Miami edge defender Jalen Phillips, who, man, what a pro day. Do put it on a show there. Absolutely. Las Vegas Raiders grab Virginia Tech offense tackle Christian Derisaw. Miami Dolphins get... Penn State edge defender Jason Owe, Washington football team, Oklahoma State offensive tackle Tevin Jenkins, and the Chicago Bears grab Georgia edge defender Aziz Ojolari. The edge fits here, Cardinals, and 
Bears, they both have kind of two starting edges. Yeah, they got J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones, and then you got Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn. What are we doing here? I'm all about adding edge talent. I'm all about adding market-valued positions. Jalen Phillips can come in as a rotational edge. I'm all for it. Out of the gate, guy who struggled with concussions in his career, let's sit Jalen Phillips on the football field and get cheaper at the second most expensive position in the NFL. You know, Steelers fans are upset, and you'll get to this later, that I had him getting Gregor Rousseau and Peyton Turner. Get cheaper at the second most expensive position in the NFL. I think Peyton Turner can move inside as well. He has positional versatility. Gregor Rousseau, all he is is positional versatility. He's never played true edge at a successful level in college. You could play him at multiple positions. So I really like Phillips at the value at 16. And then looking at um, Owe, you can't say the Miami Dolphins have a lot of, you know, they started no, Andrew oh, Van yeah. Ginkle Always last fine. year. I'm saying Chicago, Aziz. So I do think that adding Aziz Ojalar here, and I like Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack as well, I just felt like the value was too good. Like what I, I think that a lot of the offensive tackles were already off the board with Darisaw and Tevin Jenkins. And I just kind of lock in again. When I'm, when I'm in a position where I can't fill a position of need, I'm going to go get value. And value for me is in this edge class, specifically yeah. the back end of the first round with how expensive a Trey Hendrickson and a Carl Lawson well, and a and Leonard a, Floyd cost. And a Robert Quinn, who's yes. not been good for yes, that. Yes, exactly, so. exactly. And Seven. Azizo Jolari working with Khalil Mack, my God, like let's train up a guy that in year two, so let, don't even think about 2021. In year two, when maybe you're moving on from a Quinn or Khalil Mack is in an interesting situation and you have to fucking blow this thing up, having some value there or having some success, talented players along the edge like an Azizo Jolari entering year two, Filling that need a year prior could be pretty sweet. Khalil Mack, when he was drafted, we would have hated him. He, four, he was 23 years old. So old. When oh, he was drafted. killed him. But he was, no, he was a monster. The dude out of Now, we had him inch, ranked pretty highly, didn't we? That was before our PFF draft time. That was 2014, I felt Yeah, that. he had 40-inch vert coming out. Whew. Yum. Those are, Yum was weird. I don't think I need to say that again. What would be the tasty part to that? to you. you want to describe go deeper into that can we please go right. to the next 21 place? indianapolis colts grab minnesota wide receiver rashad bateman 22 love this fit i i floated this one on national radio this morning elijah oh. moore ole miss to the tennessee titans Whew. all Ole miss bring wide receiver you new york jets going Ooh, we need to do someone floated that like do all the wide receiver dbus actually once for all decide on them we're gonna have to do that on a podcast right. with a representative of the school you know, to really get people excited. Okay. No Sean name. Wade. Line, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. All right. New York Jets. Cornerback Greg Newsom out of Northwestern. Pittsburgh Steelers. Greg Rousseau, edge defender Miami. Jacksonville Jaguars. Trayvon Morig, TCU safety. I do love that fit. Let's start, though, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're all in this year. Yeah. They need a guy that's going to help this year. Greg Rousseau, yeah. like You got Alex Highsmith there on the edge. I don't know if he unseats him after how good he looked. And Greg Russo also, this is, pro, this is obviously before his pro day, but yeah. his pro day was just absolute trash. Yeah. Was not I think, good I whatsoever. think now with the pro day. He literally, his his best trait is that he's tall. He's 90, long. 98 percentile long. height, six foot seven, 34 and three quarters inch arms. And actually his hand size, 11 inch hands. But then man, although I will say 469, 40 at 260 is not bad. But then the rest of his testing numbers, 9-7 broad jump, 7-5 three-cone. He did like three-cone. He did the Jalen Ferguson where he just like kept running it until he got a time no, that he, was serviceable. He apparently stumbled the first few times and then like ran it a third time and it was still shit. Yeah. And then a 14. Well, you stumble because you can't turn. Yeah, It's yeah. like the guys who stumble, it's like. Very true. Like everyone was that DK Metcalf three-cone came out and everyone's like, oh, well, he stumbled. Obviously, it's like, no. You stumble because you can't make yeah, that fair. Uh, that three that one eighty three sixty turn uh, well enough. So in so, hindsight, in hindsight, and then a I don't think, vertical. In hindsight, I don't think I have Gregor Rousseau going twenty four to Steelers. There's a okay. chance he falls out of the first round with how bad that pro day was. was and I do think so. It's a combination of how bad that pro day was, and also he's played one year of college football yep. as a redshirt freshman at a position no one plays in the NFL, Rover or whatever the fuck. Like some defenses have that guy in their defense, but like not a lot of them. So I do think that Greg Rousseau could be slipping out of the first round. And in hindsight, maybe I get them in on the tackle class. Dylan Radins, North Coast State, Sam Cosme of Texas. Go. They have to. I think they have, they have to. to. So I do think that in hindsight, that was not a great pick. Can we talk about some of the fits here though? <laughs> Can we move on? I love Rashad Bateman of the Colts. I think that's a great fit. I love Elijah Moore, Tennessee, like you said. And then Greg Newsome. The New York Jets with Robert Salah. I yep. do think that's a fire fit. I think the Jets getting Newsom at 23 would be sick. I've had a Jets beat reporter unnamed talking to me a ton about um, what's the it Jets better not do. be Manish. It's not Manish. Jesus Christ. I have a soul. Um, <laughs> uh, talking to me a ton about what the Jets do and all this stuff. And yeah. I think 
they were feeling good about Newsom at 23. Nice. Anyway, uh, right. and then Left. Trayvon Morick to Jacksonville. I was looking at their investment in the defensive line. I thought maybe they could go bar more here, but they've just thrown so many they resources at that defensive there. line. And I think in the secondary, you don't want a cornerback necessarily up, you know, taking what they want, obviously, C.J. Henderson to do or Shaquille Griffin to do. I thought about the slot. But I like uh, Trayvon Morg. I think that's a that's a move for them. I like Trayvon Morg a lot in that defense because I, I, what he can do from a blitzing perspective, I, I don't know. Obviously, they the DC coming over from Baltimore. I don't know what they, they use their safeties in a versatile manner. I think he can execute that. So I thought he was fit for Baltimore as well if he would have still been on the board. Cleveland Browns, twenty six. Gab Christian Barmore, Alabama defensive tackle, Baltimore Ravens. Terrace Marshall, wide receiver from LSU, New Orleans Saints. Grab the slipping, falling cornerback from Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley, after that back surgery he had. Green Bay Packers grab Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, linebacker from Notre Dame. Thank you for that. Buffalo Bills go North Coast State offense tackle Dylan Radens, 31, Kansas State Chiefs. Sam Cosme, offense tackle Texas. Tackle heavy here. 32, Buccaneers go Walker Little, Stanford. Offensive tackle. I'm predicting a run on run tackles, tackles at the back end of the first round because, one— Did you do the mock and you're like, oh, shit— I forgot about it. No, no, no. No, I think this is going to happen. One, this is a good tackle class, and it's got depth, and I think there's a lot of value in it at the back end of the first. Two, you want that fifth-year option with these guys. You want a fifth-year option with your offensive tackle. It's an expensive-ass position. You know, you want that fifth-year option with guys also that oftentimes don't develop into, like, legitimate starters until year two, year three. Look at Colton Miller. Colton Miller had the best season of his career this past year and still ranked inside the top 10 in pass blocking grade, and they just signed him to an $18 million per year extension. I think getting that fifth-year option with these guys I think is super important. So I do like Walker Little to Tampa Bay, and some people are like, we just signed Donovan Smith. Tristan Wirfs was rookie of the year. Why do we need tackle? Donovan Smith's going to play out the rest of his contract in Tampa Bay, if not get cut after this season, depending on how they structure that contract. Why in the hell are you drafting for needs like, and people want them to go running back? It would be absolutely atrocious if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers went running back at 32. Atrocious. It could be Najee, it could be Travis Etienne, it could be Javante Williams. It'd be atrocious. You look at the Kansas City Chiefs a year ago, who took a running back at 32, and now have it needs at corner, offensive tackle, pass rusher, across wide receiver. That's where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could be in one year. One year's time, your roster could develop significant needs and multiple valuable positions. Don't spend high-end resources on luxury picks like running back. I think tackle here makes more sense. So I will say, though, to to note about fifth-year option, under the new CBA, it is far less favorable to the teams. The team? Really? Yes. It is far better for It's closer to what, what, like a tag? It's closer to a tag. Which at it's the same time, though, tag. like teams are willing to do when you have that blue chip. But it's but it's when they – yeah, it only makes sense. It only, like, really saves you when it is the blue chip guy. Yeah, fair. So. Some of the other picks here, I just don't know – I don't know where Barmore is going to go. And I think – I don't know if he could slip past the Browns at 26, who I know have invested a bit in the defensive line and in the secondary as well. I think Barmore to Cleveland, though, I could see being a, a, where he's, his fall stops. I like Terrace Marshall to Baltimore, big-bodied guy for Lamar Jackson. That one's a great fit. And Caleb Farley, that's another guy where I don't know. You know, the back surgery is one thing. I'm not a doctor. Your dad is, your brother is, and your sister is. But like Sister-in-law. Sister-in-law, but like I'm not. So I don't know how far he's going to fall. I don't think the New Orleans Saints, with Marshawn Lattimore taking mug shots lately, would pass on Caleb Farley and what he could do in that defense. Yeah. We've got to ask Dr. Chow about pro football Which one talk. of your brothers is a lawyer? Because we also need to figure out what the fuck's going on lawyer. with Marshawn Lattimore. Your mom's lawyer. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can get her on talking to Marshawn Lattimore. <laughs> get her on. She'd love to come on. Um, and so forth. All right. That's going to do it for the first round. If you want to check out the second round of the mock draft, you should go to pff.com. We're not going to read every pick of the second round, are we? All right, cool. All let's right, go let's to go, linebackers. Let's go to linebackers. Interesting class here. Right now, you have what four day one guys in your opinion guys you would take in the first round i didn't i only had parsons and awusu koromoa in the first round of my mock draft but you have four guys with that day one value yeah so i don't think parsons we've talked about him a ton and then his pro day goes out puts on a fucking show four three nine forty one five nine ten split ten six broad jump and my fave the sub seven cone Six nine Eat four it. cone. He would be the top edge defender. He's six foot three, two forty six. He would be the top edge defender in this class. Now he doesn't have great length, thirty one and a half inch arms, but this guy is a freak. I mean, like no, eh, no, like bones about it. And my favorite thing, and one of my friends texted me this, and I hadn't realized he was the only person at the at the Penn State pro day, I guess, that had his hands measured. Eleven inch hands, the biggest hands ever for a linebacker. Basically just wanted the world to know he has a monster hog, probably. That's all he wanted to say. 
11 inch hands. <laughs> that's exactly it. He's that's just, another quote graphic. Thing. I think that's, that's exactly Micah it. Parsons There's no quote, other reason to get your hands measured. Micah Parsons wanted the world to know he had a monster hog. To, show me the so lie. Far. Show me the lie. I'm yeah. asking to show the lie. If if I had 11 inch hands, I'd be fucking putting It'd them It'd be in everywhere. your Tinder bio. Yeah. Just, it would just say 11 inch hands. It'd be like, and then like, That'd a, be sick, dude. like a wink emoji. Sly face emoji. I love that. Uh, but yeah, Micah Parsons is stud. Don't, don't, I don't think you, I wouldn't overthink it All too right. much there. Jeremiah Uskaramoa, also a stud. We'll see what he puts, what kind of a show he puts on at his pro day. I think I'm, I'm hoping for a nice little cone. I, mm. I think he's that sort of athlete that will put something nice, a sub nice seven. sub seven on his tape, but he is just explosive, man. I, I think he can, everyone says, you know, you have to have a role for him. He's 215 pounds. If you want to just plug him at weak side linebacker, I think he's going to be completely fine in the NFL. I think he plays the game at that level of speed and that he's explosive enough to take on blocks between the tackles, even though not something he did at Notre Dame that much. But man, a coverage grade over 80 this year as a slot cornerback. And you think about what he can do then as a linebacker. Like he's he's very good. And Cynthia Freeland brought up that Micah Parsons could play well in the slot in her latest mock draft. Interesting. I would not put him there. Is okay. all I'm just asking. I, I, I'm just bringing up facts. Nick Bolton, next up on this list, the Missouri linebacker. He plays the game correctly. Yeah, you know, you talk about football players. Mm, talk to me. Football player. Yes. He five eleven, but he has longer arms than Micah Parsons. How big are his hands? Not as big, but ten and three, ten and a quarter. That's still or three eighths. Those are big hands, 96 percentile hands. Excited. This guy, fantastic tackler, and he ran a 4.59. He has speed. He just might not be your all-around shifty, athletic, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa type linebacker, but don't get it twisted. He could play sideline to sideline with the best of them. Getting slept on. I know why he's not going to be a first-round pick. 5.11 is a tough sell, but 2.37 at 5.11 is a chonk. This guy How long are his arms? moves 31 mm-hmm. and 7 eighths inches. That's solid. That's, That's not bad. Solid. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've talked about. Have you talked on the podcast about thirty-inch arm linebackers? Like, I mean, yes. it's just so you do not see thirty inches or below at arm length at linebacker have success. It is very yeah. rare. You're just not one. It's tough to tackle. Yeah, you have no and shed blocks. Uh, tough tackle, tough to shed blocks, and then you have no sphere of influence in the passing game. There's no your arms don't do anything. Yeah, you're uh, Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman. Blake Cashman and Chad Surratt both have 30-inch arms. Shaquem Griffin. Griffin. One 30-inch arm. Uh, but. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, Zave, can you jump off of Bolton, please? But I love Nick Bolton. I, he's just he's going to be very good in the NFL, in my opinion. Uh, Zaven Collins of Tulsa. The man is a horse. And, and I think Collins and Wiscoramoa are unique players and unique skill sets to where I think they'll go higher than anticipated because you're not going to find another one like that those guys yeah but he is six foot four 260 pounds and just gallops like a horse sideline to sideline probably i don't know what his 40 is going to be but his speed is not a concern whatsoever to me he's not as physical as you might expect at that size taking on blocks but he shows it at times like if he gets one-on-one with a lot like a running back as a blitzer, it's over. He's throw, throwing that guy to the side with ease. So blitz-heavy schemes, schemes that are going to kind of ask him to come downhill a lot, solid as can be in that regard. So those are your first-round linebackers. Feel very good about all those guys. What's interesting is I feel like all, th- all four of those guys are rare for different reasons. Parsons, just overall athlete, position versatility, can rush the passer. Like Awusu Kormo, another really good athlete that could play like even some slot corner for you if you wanted to. And then Zayvon Collins fits that mold if you want to be blitzing linebackers. If you want a guy, you know, want want guys blitzing off ball and stuff, Zayvon Collins can do that. Bolton, maybe not for his athleticism or his positional versatility, but he's the football IQ. Like his his ability to read and stuff like that is just big. I think those Mm -hmm. four guys are interesting. All right, day two. Day two. My favorite day two linebacker is Jabril Cox. We've seen him do it. Two different schemes, two different schools, grayed out exceptionally well in coverage. And, and at LSU this past year, he was doing a lot of similar things to Jeremiah Wuskoromo. He is not Jeremiah Wuskoromo from explosiveness perspective. He His biggest weakness, Jabril, De, Jabril Cox, excuse me, the LSU linebacker, is, does not have that pop on contact that like Jeremiah Wuskoromo can stick a running back in the hole and not seed any ground. 
Jabril Cox was going backwards a lot of times when he would, you know, take on a running back. He does not have that level of pow to his game. Very similar. I mean, like, reminds me of Darius Leonard in that regard. That's not Darius Leonard's game. He's more of a playmaker all around. He's not going to stack and shed an offensive tackle. But Jabril Cox can take on blocks still by not just avoiding them altogether. He is a solid athlete for the position, has good length, sphere of influence in coverage. He is just man coverage, zone coverage. You saw him make plays on the football covering the slot this past year. That's rare for a linebacker. Linebackers in college, like, we're going to talk about Jameen Davis next on this list. He didn't make plays, a lot of plays on the football. He got some gimme picks on his tape, but he was not going above and beyond his role in coverage. You saw that from Jabril Cox a lot, though. And he has his pro day as long, along with Jameen Davis. So yeah, for those who are listening to the shit. podcast, I'm sure the pro day, all the numbers have come from Florida, Kentucky, LSU, Wake Forest, Notre Dame. We are not reacting to those live on the podcast, unfortunately, but... Jameen Davis, too. His, 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 this is the next linebacker on the list. Jabril Cox and Jameen Davis working out the pro days today. Yes, the Kentucky linebacker, six foot four, two thirty five, long, got that body type. Yeah, and he's going to be fast. Like he comes downhill in a hurry. He said he wants low four fours. I do. The, like the thing I wonder or kind of worry about him is like, why did he not start until his fourth year at Kentucky? It's not like Kentucky's churning out powerhouse linebackers. It's not like he's sitting behind a couple first rounders. Who's that fucking linebacker they had? His name was like Cash Money or something stupid. I'll oh, look it up. I know. Yeah, yeah. I'll find it. I'll find it. I'll find it. <laughs> you're just hating. On. I'm not hating on. Him. I'm just saying you start behind. Yeah, cash you're just money. mad that your nickname's not. Cash it it money. was Cash. His name was Cash. It's Cash Daniel. Cash. You start behind Cash Daniel. What's wrong with you? If yeah, if for three years you're sit riding kind of the pines there. I I just I want I need more background on that. But when he did start this past year, it was exceptional against the run. I, I loved his tape in run defense. Takes on blocks really well for a guy who's not. You know, 250, 240, like your normal linebackers that you think could be power players in the run game. He still has that in his arsenal. But I just said what I said about Cox. You didn't see him going necessarily above and beyond Jameen Davis in coverage. Limited role in coverage in Kentucky. That's still the thing to worry about. But more like I've watched of his tape, you're just like the physical tools are pretty special. And that that's kind of still the biggest thing at linebacker. Yeah, like Not a lot of guys are 235 and run four fours. He might be one of them. So True. And if they are, they're probably playing tight end. And then you yeah. need guys to defend those guys. Exactly. So next guy up on this list, Pete Werner, the Ohio State linebacker. Only nine-inch hands here. So brutal. we're not talking about the St. Nick Bolton, Micah Parsons level. Mike, Can I read the rest of his measurables, though? Yes. Not, not, not the rest, but some of the ones we have. <laughs> uh, six foot three, 238. Ran a 4.52, 90th percentile at linebacker. Also, it's 33 and a quarter inch arms, 83rd percentile at the position. That's good. I don't care about hand size a ton when you have, when you got 33 and a quarter inch arms. That's fire. But then you got to get to my two faves here. Yeah, and then you have vertical jump at vertical 40. Jump. And then you have even a sub-7-3 cone. And then the sub-7-3 cone. 6-9-5, 77th percentile. Broad, too, 79th percentile. Those are fucking good numbers for Those are elite linebacker numbers. And his tape is just very solid all around. Not much of a playmaker. They're on the broadcast yesterday, they talked about He's an instinctive linebacker. I was like, he's just white, all right? He's not an instinctive <laughs> linebacker. That was just a racial, racial call altogether. I think, okay, can we rattle off some you only say this for white players stuff? And yeah. stuff you should frown upon, which is absolute yes, garbage. I'm going to say one, pro-ready. Pro-ready gets used for white quarterbacks way too yeah. often. Stop. You like need to stop. The race-based code words. Are the race-based like, disgusting. And they, they go both ways. It's just like people are... Bad. It's, lazy. It's lazy. It's laziness. Racist. Yeah. I mean, let's yeah. call it what it is. But well, pro-ready, instinctive, high-motor, lunch yeah. pail, all but that like, shit. I didn't think his tape was particularly instinctive, but he is a very talented athlete and very good between the tackles at linebacker things you're going to have to do at the next level in terms of like taking on blocks, you know, playing on balance, tackling, those sort of things. So those are the guys I would like on day two. After I think that's kind of it for day two, though. So I got seven guys there, day one, day two, that I feel good about drafting. After that, it is a hodgepodge mess. 18 linebackers. On day three. That, now, on, in PFF's big board. On PFF's board. Because obviously there's only, what, like 250 or so picks in the NFL draft, yeah. and there's 300 players ranked on the big like board. Like some of what, these You know guys. what this, this group is? Your, your, um, who's your boy for Seattle? 
Nick Bloor. Nick, these are the Nick Bloor. So you, you're hoping for some of these guys to turn into some special teams mavens. Because like some of these guys down there, Isaiah McDuffie of Boston College, Grant Stewart of Houston, Riley Cole of South Alabama had the most my feet are cotton mud tape of mm-hmm. anyone at the Senior Bowl and on his in, in coverage at South Alabama. There's, there's some guys here that you just don't want on the football field on passing downs. And guess what? In the NFL... The best teams, all all downs are passing down. So that, that, that's the scary part for some of these guys. So Tuff Borland had one of the worst pro days for a linebacker we've seen in a long time. That was rough. I think he ran like in the four nines. That's yeah, I never disgusting. understood the Tuff Borland. That's disgusting. Whatever. But, okay. Good name. So, that's all it is. So here's the guys that are in this group of day through three that I want to highlight that are athletic projects that you're probably going to see drafted higher than day three. That being Baron Browning from Ohio State. Talk about a pro day. 263, 245 pounds, 33 and a half inch arms, 45, 140, 40-inch vertical, 6783 cone, and a 1010 broad jump. He absolutely lit it on fire. One of the best linebacker pro days of all time in terms of what this all-around numbers. That's him. Freak athlete. Does not know like assignment soundness all over the map. He may even be, he might be a guy I'd switch to at like just completely edge defender. Just let him 240 pounds with that athleticism, that explosiveness. He can hold up. Mm-hmm. And I might just want to say, go rush the passer. Give him a simple assignment because he really was just, he played slow. He just played slower than all those testing numbers. So, and that was kind of his MO. That's why he's a, he was in the same recruiting class. Can we as, talk about the other Ohio State linebacker as well? The guy who was former five star from Cincinnati, has Justin not played Hilliard. a lot due to injuries, but like we expected him to test well. I thought he was going to test, test well. Him. Better than what he did. 6'1, 229, not great. 31 and 31.38 inch arms, according to PFF Ultimate. Um, 8.88 inch hands, sub nine inch hands. 481 40 yard dash. That one blows me away. That's 13th percentile. At 229, that's bad. Like you expect linebackers running in the 4H, you better be like 250 plus. Yeah. And then you look even at his explosive numbers here. I mean, he had 27 reps on the bench. Good for you, but vertical jump, 54th percentile. Broad jump, 27th. Shuttle, 40th. Cone, 720, 33rd percentile. Those are bleh, those are puke numbers right there. Not great. I wish we could see more because Justin Hilliard, man, like there's some tape, there's some plays on tape where you're like, you kind of get excited about him, but these numbers are bad news bears. They are, sadly. That's you might have to come day down the board guys. a little bit, Mike. Those are day three. Those are day three numbers, and that's why he's on the day three in this mix. All right, give me some more but names then, to highlight here. But then two guys that I like but don't love that are worth talking about that are kind of have do-it-all potential. Like there are some two-down guys on this list uh, for sure. But these guys, Monty Rice from Georgia, Chaz Surratt from North Carolina, those guys have three down potential. They are all around athletes. Monty Rice, I think, went in the four fives at his pro day. Monty Rice is undersized on the smaller end, doesn't have great length. Chess Surratt is just like all over the place. He's improved as a tackler, but he's still kind of learning the position. It, just his run reads were just awful between the tackles this past year. Christian Darisaw murdered him, just took him off the field because he didn't know what he was looking at. And Christian Darisaw would just come out of nowhere and just blindside him. So, doesn't have long arms, only 30-inch arms, but ran a 4.58, 702 cone. Chess good all-around athlete, just still kind of learning the position. I don't, I don't know if you can throw him into the NFL right away and ask him to play year one. And that's that's a tough sell like on day two if you're really that unsure about a guy who's an undersized 229-pound linebacker. So I really like those guys, though, that have – they could still be all-around guys. Awesome. Can we break? Because I have some – official LSU pro day numbers. Let's go. For measurements. Jabril Cox, 6'3", 232. Good numbers. 32 and 38 inch hands. Nope, nine inch, I, or no, th- arms. arms, arms, arms. Nine inch hands, 79 wing. And he will not be participating in the drills due to a hamstring injury. Oh, he was going to run slow as shit. Oh, man, you hate to see it. That's All right. the Cleveland Furl. All right, I, I remember... Some other highlights here. Go I, ahead. I remember I tweeted about when Cleveland Furl said he had like a foot injury and some like... Like a Clemson reporter is like, no, he actually has a foot injury. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm sure he definitely has a foot injury. That's definitely keeping him from. It's like this happens every year. Yeah. How how do you? No numbers are better than bad numbers. It's, it's difficult. It's to agent one on one. Difficult to injure yourself training weight training. Yeah, it's it's the safest sport. I will say the capital. injury that I do think was real is Quiddy Pay injuring himself running the forty and not being able to run the shuttle because the shuttles would have been stupid. Yeah. Like that's one's yeah. his bread and butter. All right, Racy McMath. 
Six two two seventeen, thirty two inch arms, eight and seven inch hands, seventy nine wing. Jacoby Stevens, six one two twelve, safety for LSU. Six one two twelve, thirty two and two eight inch hands, seventy six wing. Jacoby Stevens, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Dogs. Jamar Chase, six foot, flat, six oh oh three. So six foot and a third. Um, it's like me. Nice. Me and you, Jamar. Six foot two oh five, which I like. Thirty and six eight inch hands or arms. Fuck. Seventy four seven eight wing. Terrace Marshall, 6'2", 205, a little bit, tall, little bit taller. Big wing, though. 32, 6'8", inch hands, arms. 78, you did one, that three times? I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I have a bad brain. 32 and 6'8", inch arms, 78 and 1 8 inch wing. Then yeah. here's the big one. Tyler Shelvin. Let's see it. 6'2", drum roll. Wait, wait, wait. Should we bet over under 350? I'll oh. say over. Quinn? Quinn? Um, well, I'll take under. I think he's over, but just to he's make it He's actually 6'2", 350 flat. Oh, right on You the love dot. to see that, push. though. I mean, this I guy was pushing I'm a great 400. bookmaker with uh, weights. 353 and 5'8 inch arms, 82 and 8, 82, 80 and 2 8 inch wing. That's solid. Oh, that's a big boy, dude. He's a fucking monster. And then Kerry Vincent Sr., I don't know if you care, but 5'9", 185 is where he's at right Man. now. Man, Tyler Shelvin. He won't be doing the bench today, unfortunately. Will he ever get below 320 in his life, do you think? No. I just that guy is depends though. You see some offensive tackles and stuff like drop big after. But those are usually like the guys who had to get. Remember, up to remember when we had Clayus Campbell on the podcast and he said his big goal was to like drop under a certain weight to to yeah. skydive when he yeah. retires. That was very sweet. You know, Clayus Campbell's a sweet guy at heart. Even really though he's is. got that big bellowing voice. Awesome where, voice, dude. He sounds like fucking cartoon character some voice. greek god or something he's yeah. awesome he was fun to have on the pod we'll have to do more of those in the summer when we talk to like current nfl players and stuff those guys are cool um right. all right well that's gonna do it for the linebacker overview the two round like mock draft 12 year old those guys are cool those, those NFL players. All right, what's the what's the deal here you're making fun of me left and right what's wrong what's wrong <laughs> you're you're making yourself an easy target today. it's true it's true it's true all right cool well uh that's gonna do it let's go ahead and jump to interviews with peyton turner these guys are really cool mike uh interviews with peyton turner and alice Sutherland. now joining the two forward drafts podcast is former alabama offensive tackle alex leatherwood alex great to have you on the show what's up it's great to be here man I really appreciate it, dude. Let's start at the Senior Bowl, actually. Talk to me about that experience down there in Mobile, that opportunity to play in the one-on-ones, work with NFL coaches, get NFL feedback. What were some main takeaways you had from that experience? Uh, the Senior Bowl was fun overall. Um, I felt like I want to go out there and just show that I'm a, a competitor, to be honest. So uh, I want to go out and compete against the top seniors in the country, all that good stuff. Um and I feel like it went great, you know what I mean? Um, as far as, like, the team periods, one-on-ones, like, and as, like, the week went on, I feel like I got better and better, you know what I mean? And uh, it was fun being able to be coached by uh, the Panthers coaching staff. Um, Pat Meyer, he was um, a great coach. I learned a great deal from him. It was a great overall experience. Gotcha, man. And I know you're currently training for the Alabama Pro Day, which I think is March 23rd. How has that training process been? That's been going well. I'm training at uh, MJ, uh, MJP in, uh, in Dallas, Texas with uh, Big Duke and all those other guys. And uh, it's been a, a great experience just um, being able to learn from him and all the other uh, whole linemen in his draft class. Um, and, yeah, yeah it's, it's going great. I'm ready to perform. Good to hear, man. And then so for, you know, the athletic drills, I'm sure you're obviously, you know, training to test, you know, for all those drills. But are there any specific drills that you feel like you want to really show out on or have circled as ones with like heavy goals for? Um, no, not really. But uh, I do feel like I'm going to like put up great numbers on all just like the uh, testing drills, just like the 40 broad, all that good stuff. But um, I feel like I'm most excited for the uh, position drills just to um, showcase um, me as an athlete. You know what I mean? Just um Going through all those drills, all that good stuff. Go, going back to your season at Alabama, I'd be interested to hear more about kind of your preparation process. In a given game week, you know, how much film are you watching? What are you looking for on film when you're watching an opposing defense or an opposing pass rusher? And what exactly do you kind of take from that film or that practice week into the game with you? Right. Uh, well, typically, when it comes to the opponent, um, really, man, I'm just um, trying to, like, take our game plan and how we want to attack that defense and try to apply it to whatever defense we're playing. So as far as like a, a defensive lineman, I try to like look at um, like his tendencies and like his pass rush, uh, what he does against like certain blocks, like uh, uh, outside zone, inside zone, 
and uh, just stuff like that and like their tendencies and what they like to do as a defense as a whole, just like their scheme, like what kind of blitzes they like to do, like on what, on what down in distance and, you know, just things like that. And when you're preparing for a certain pass rusher, what do you look at from them? Obviously trying to diagnose, you know, their pass rush plan, their primary moves and those types of things. How do you kind of adjust how you approach a certain pass rusher versus other ones based off what you see on film? Well, uh, first and foremost, I go and look at like their height and weight, you know what I mean? That's a good gauge of how big they are. Um, and really I like to dissect their moves by the situation, whether it be like, of Hurston 10 pass rush where like you start off with like a run mentality and got to convert or say it's like second and long or like third down, you know what I mean? So I try to like separate it into those categories and what you like to do, how you like to set up your moves and things like that. And yeah. Gotcha, man. And I'd be interested to know, how has that film preparation kind of changed this offseason? Obviously, working with Duke, you're working different things, but are you watching any film on NFL guys, whether that's NFL offensive tackles or even NFL pass rushers? I've talked to a handful of guys that watch pass rushers in the NFL to kind of prepare what they're going to what they're gonna be looking at in the league. Right, yeah. Um, I have actually um, been watching dudes like um, Trent Williams, of course, um, David Bakhtiari. I watch... Um, Ronnie Stanley from the Ravens, uh, and I like to watch my um, old teammate, uh, Judge of Wills. I like to watch those dudes. Cause, um, and I try to like take things away from their game that could like apply to me, you know what I mean? Because I know a lot of people may ask, well, who do you model your game after? And I don't really like take it after any one person, you know what I mean? I just try to like look at a bunch of good players and try to like take things that they do well and try to implement it in my game. And as far as defensive players, uh, I feel like the three, I watch a lot, Miles Garrett, um, Joey Boza, and Aaron Donald. Those three dudes are freaks, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just freak athletes and uh, the way they move their body, their uh, skill sets, their bend, their get off, and it's, uh, it's fun to watch. What, what do you feel like you know is kind of your key separator, or key strength in this offensive tackle class? Obviously very long, very good pedigree, working in the SEC, going against top flight competition, but what do you feel like your biggest strength is in this class? I just feel like... Um, my strength in this class uh, is my versatility for sure. I mean, I've gone against um, like four and possibly six first rounders at both guard and tackle. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, my skill set, my like, I feel like I got the best of all worlds. I feel like I'm good in the run game. I feel like I'm good in the pass game. Uh, I have a great skill set with my length and my size and my uh, quickness. So I feel like I'm a jack of all trades, if you ask me. I can do it all. I play in a very, like, versatile scheme offense you know what I mean I can perform and uh execute in a lot of schemes so yeah we can finish with this one I really appreciate the time is is what is your kind of motivation to continue to pursue football like you do and make the sacrifices that you do to you know play college football like you did and now pursue the NFL what is your motivation or your why behind you know, playing the game just because I love the game you know what I mean uh I love the game I love playing O-line and I love to compete for sure but uh other than what I love, uh, just doing it for, like, my city, Pensacola, Florida, and the dudes back home, uh, where, like, a lot of dreams rock, to, to, uh, to be honest, you know what I mean? And I just want to, like, show the people there, like, kids all over Florida that, like, if you put your mind to something, you know what I mean? Like, no matter where you're from, maybe, like, big city, small city, whatever, like, you can do it, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, I really appreciate the time, like I said, and I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Now joining the 2 for 1 Drafts podcast is former Houston defensive lineman Peyton Turner. And I'd be, I'm happy to say this. You are a PFF favorite. You know, PFF is really big on your game. You graded really well this past season. Unlimited snaps, obviously only 201 snaps with the abbreviated season. But I know Mike Renner, my podcast co-host who doesn't do these interviews with me, is a big fan of your game and is really excited to have you on the podcast. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Of course, dude. So I know you're down there in Frisco, Texas, training with Exos. How has that been so far? Uh, it's been going well, uh, you know, getting your work in, getting better, getting faster, stronger. So it's all yeah, going well. that's, that's the MO of Exos, man. I think everyone I talk to is working down there at Exos. It's something in the water yeah. in Frisco. I think there's other guys, though. There's an Exos location in Pensacola. You got to get your way out there, man. I saw – I was talking – who was I talking to recently? Someone who's down there. Dude, show me a view of his house or, like, his view from the beach. I was like, dude, yeah. must, must be nice. Yeah, they got uh, a must good be nice. PFF is uh, based in Cincinnati. I know I was telling you that before. There's no beaches here. Fun fact. But um, I would love to hear more about, you know, some of the guys that you're working out with down there. Who, who are some of the other prospects that are in kind of your group that you're training with? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, we, we just switched up groups just based off pro day. But, I mean, you know, there's a, there's a lot of big names there. Rondale Moore, uh, Najee Harris, uh, Jamar Chase. There's a lot of big names there. Pat Jones is the other DN I've been working out a lot with. Uh, Tevin Jenkins is down here. There's a lot of big names over here in, uh, at Exxon from Frisco. So, I mean, we're all getting our work in, all getting better. So, you know, it's nice to be around some, you know, high-level guys, good competition. Absolutely. I feel like every time I hear someone's working out with Rondell Moore, I always think, man, working in the same gym with Rondell Moore has got to be fucking crazy because that dude, <laughs> that dude's just um, built different to use a yeah, often coin phrase. Sure. He's, a, he's a different kid. Um, and and yeah. what, you know, obviously you're working on a combination of things, just trying to get bigger, faster, stronger, all of that stuff. But are there any drills specifically, whether they're combine drills or even just positional drills that you're most looking forward to kind of, you know, performing at, at your pro day? Yeah, all my all my you know short area stuff, uh, you know ten yard split, the uh, three cone, uh, short shuttle, like all that stuff. You know, I'm I'm really ready to go out there and, and do in front of all the coaches and everything. So, I mean, I'm excited. And I think I saw, you know your listed weight at Houston six foot six two seventy. What weight did you actually play at this past season? And are you working to a specific goal weight this off season? Yeah, I played at two seventy at Houston. Um, I mean, you know, after games, you you drop drop a little bit of weight. You're sweating sweating it all out, but. I mean, uh, every every coach that I've talked to and everything, you know, they they want me to stay around 270. So, I mean, I've just been sticking around 270. You're fortunate, man. I'll talk to you. I'll tell you what, big guys like you, anybody who's in the 250 plus range, always has to make some movement. I talk to guys who have to drop 20, 30 pounds or add 15 pounds. I think I was talking to um, former App State linebacker from the 2020 class, uh, Akeem Davis Gaither, and he was on the lighter side for linebacker, and they he was eating like 20,000 calories a day or some crazy ass shit. Some dudes are just going all in, but that's cool that you're you're able to stay at that same weight. Um, yeah. I, think, I think that's a good transition to your game specifically. You know, six foot six, 270, could play along the edge, but also I think you bring what's interesting is multi-gap versatility and I think that's something that people or teams covet when you have a bigger edge product you know because a lot of the guys that bend the edge now are in that 245 you know to 250 range at 270 you can really be kicked inside on passing downs and those things have you given any thought to being a versatile defensive lineman at the next level and have any teams given you that feedback that they want to kind of kick you inside and move you around a bit yeah, like you said, versatility is key, especially at the next level. So, I mean, obviously, uh, me being able to rush on guards is, is, is big time, big to my game. I mean, but still at the same time, you know, coaches coaches like that I can play on the edge and be productive on the edge, you know, whether I power rush or come off speed. So, I mean, uh, you know, versatility never killed anybody. So, uh, that's the way I've been sold. So, that's all, that's all I'm looking forward to. 100% agree with that, man. Versatility gets too often underrated when you talk to different defensive players specifically. I also want to turn back the clocks a little bit because what I find interesting about your background, I write a lot of the backgrounds for the draft guide here at PFF, is you know former two-star recruit according to 24-7 Sports. But like you had some like legitimate offers coming out. Like You were this hidden gem according to some of the bigger scouting services. But you had offers from Michigan, Texas, Kansas, all these big dogs, and still stayed at Houston. What went into that decision? Yeah, I mean, um, Houston kept kept their offer. You know, a lot of guys fell off. A lot of big schools fell off after I uh, got had an injury uh, my senior year, and I didn't really complete my senior year. Uh, so I mean, you know, Houston Houston stayed true to their offer, and you know, they were there at all my games. They're still contacting me, staying staying in touch. So I mean, I had no problem staying home with Houston. You know, and they had a good thing going. So I was glad to be there. Some of those schools missed out on an absolute dog. You know, uh, you know, one thing that, you know, PFF really likes about your game, in addition to, I think, length is obviously a big one. I mean, when you weighed in at the Senior Bowl, I think you had, like, what, 35-inch arms? That's that's a big boy measurement right there. That's what teams really do like. But the other thing is the physicality. You know, like, you rarely see, you know, defensive linemen, specifically pass rushers, play with the level of physicality you do now. You know, so many guys want to pin their ears back, get around the corner, speed rush, move upfield. But you're going through guys there at Houston. Do you feel like that's one of the bigger strengths of your game. Do you think that kind of separates you in this class or you put the scouting hat, scouting hat on yourself? Tell me what you feel like really separates you in this class. I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel that I'm as good as any edge player uh, in this draft. So, uh, you know, my power, power is also, you know, a big, big factor that a lot of teams look at and like about the way I play. I'm violent. So, uh, I mean, the ball gets out really fast in the league if you hadn't noticed. So, uh, being able to go through a tackle and put the tackle like in the lap of the quarterback, get him off the spot is big time. So, uh, I mean, that's what that's what teams like, and that's that's what I've been hearing. So, I mean, I'm glad I can do that. I'd be interested to hear more about kind of how you set up your your pass rush moves. I think I talked to a lot of edge defenders specifically about your pass rush plan, what you go through pre-snap. And I know a lot of that's kind of built in the film room and what you see from right. tendencies from opposing offensive tackles and those things. But walk us through what you're kind of thinking pre-snap, what you're wanting to do pre-snap when you're putting together your pass rush plan, your primary and your counter moves. 
Right. I mean, everything starts with your get off. So, you know, having a good get off, uh, you know, whether it be a pre-snap read, whether you can see that they that it's going to be a pass uh, based off the tackles, weight distribution and how, how long it stance is. So everything's off get off. And then, you know, coming off that, uh, my length and my power, like, as you said, uh, are, are good. So, you know, working my long arm, working, working my long arm series, whether it be a stab single and then dip, dip around the edge or a flash uh, and ghost. So, just working a lot of stuff off, off one move and just mastering that uh, and then, you know, getting to the next level and just, like I said, keep working on that stuff to, to be successful. I think that, 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 that comment you made there, long arm, long arm series is a good term because I think a lot of people, at least at face value, look at pass rush moves as the long arm, the cross chop, those different things. But like each move has variations. Each move has right. different pieces because you can't just throw the same long arm at every right. single person. That's, that's very interesting. I'd love to hear more too about kind of what goes into a given game week for you when you're turning on the film. You know, what do you look for from an opposing offensive tackle? What, what do you write down? What are big things that you try and find on tape when you're preparing for, you know, a specific offensive lineman or a specific offense? Yeah. I mean, sometimes, you know, you get oversets. Uh, me being a bigger, bigger DN, a lot of the large tackles don't want to give me a momentum. So uh, I'll see, I'll see them jump set bigger DN. So, I mean, that's an opportunity to take a B gap rush or, uh, you know, bounce out, beat the hands and beat them around the edge. So uh, just working hands, um, seeing the way they set, whether they, they're reachers, grabbers, how they punch two hands, one hand, uh, how they set, whether they were super vertical and, and, uh, and or whether they turn their shoulders when they set, because, you know, that's a that's indicated for power, uh, you know, power rush. So um, just breaking stuff down, like you said, in the film room with a week leading up to the game is, is big time. And that's what's going to get you uh, some some numbers on, and stats on the game day. And what has been your process for developing more pass rush moves? I know a lot of guys will watch NFL tape. Some will obviously work with certain pass rush gurus, like Chuck Smith is a guy that gets brought up a ton in terms of like guys actually developing new moves. You talk to some guys coming out of college and like, yeah, we never worked pass rush moves. We we're just preparing for each offense. You know, we we're just trying to win each game. There's never really a ton of opportunities to get better technically or moves wise. What has been your process to develop some of these moves? Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of new. Uh, I mean, as y'all know, I'm kind of new to the edge. So, I mean, I played there for a year and a half, really. And, you know, I feel like I've developed really well. Um, but uh, just after my junior year, I kind of got to look at myself and see what I needed to develop uh, that area. And I knew it was pass rush. So, uh, I got with Coach Early. I have a really good D-line coach in Houston. Really good. So, um, got with him. Uh, came up with some plans on what, what I need to get better at, where I need to get better with my bend. And, you know, I got to work with some some other guy, like BT Jordan's a big, big dude that I've been working with. Uh, but yeah, like you said, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there uh, to, to help you develop pass rush. You just got to get with them and, and you know, learn yourself, learn your body and, and how, how you want to rush and how you want to be successful on the edge. Uh, are there any guys in the NFL that you'll watch and kind of pattern your game after, kind of look at guys that are similar size or similar skill set that you okay. feel like, okay, these are some things that I can do in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, that's exactly like you said, similar skill set, similar size. Uh, so, like, I'll look at bigger DNs like uh, Marcus Davenport, Sean Gary, uh, who Cam Jordan, JJ Watt, like I mean, I'll, I'll look at those bigger dudes, Chandler Jones, JPP, just just what they do and what they're successful with. A lot of those guys, like I mentioned, are, are really long and athletic. So, and uh, I spoke about Cam Jordan, JJ Watt, they're really versatile. So, just like the ability to do those things and, and how they do it, you know, what I can take from them and put in my game to make me better. So, uh, those are definitely things that I look at. I really like that that Marcus Davenport call out because that's another guy that's got size, he's got length, and he's really gotten better every single year in the NFL. And I think you have a similar trajectory. Something that Mike talks about all the time with your game is that the arrow is pointing up. You know, you are getting better as you kind of move forward and have more experience playing along the edge. Um, you know, this has been fantastic. I'd love to finish with this question here. I ask a lot of guys this, but you know, what is your motivation or your why? Some people for you know use the why term there, but what is your motivation to pursue the game at the level you do make the sacrifices you have to make to play the nfl at this level even in college you know playing college football is a sacrifice and then pursuing it to great lengths you know there in frisco texas working with exos to be you know the best player you can be what is driving that motivation or that why for you i mean it's always been my family and it always will be my family uh you know that they've been there for everything that they, they, they've supported me through everything so uh my, my why is always gonna be my family but i mean at the same time i love football so going out there and competing every down, every play that I can go out there and go as hard as I can, I'm going to do it. So, uh, but my family is my why, no doubt. Respect that, man. That's awesome to hear. Well, I really appreciate the time, like I said, and I wish you the best of luck moving forward. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thanks for having me. That's going to do it for this episode of Two for One Drafts. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And if you do, leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. 
you will have a chance to win a draft guide. I'm giving away draft guides. DM me a screenshot of your review. I'm giving away a draft guide to 50% of the DMs I get. Go leave a review in Apple Podcasts. Until next time, Austin Gale, producer Mike Quinn, producer David Zafaro, Mike Renner, 2 for 1 Drafts.